Hi there, it's Kathleen here and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome to The Gathering. And today's lesson is Handling Life's Crisis and Overcoming in Life's Crisis as we handle them. And so I want you to just stop right now and on your lesson, I want you to write down what is your crisis. And and a crisis can be something little. You know, if it's something you're having to deal with in your life, then it's something you're having to deal with. It might be a relationship issue with a family member or spouse. It might be bills and finances. It might be being a single mom or your husband's left you for another woman, or, you know, the threat of losing somebody you love, or sickness, or loss of job. It could be a work conflict. Um, I remember one time I was in charge of a fundraising event, and I had the week of the admin that was helping me and had a lot of my staff. She, she She was gone. She quit the job and took another one. And my intern, that was my other right hand, um, was a college student, and she had finals, and she couldn't help. <laughs> and, you know, so there were all these things that happened right at one time, and it was a real challenge for me to walk in peace because all of a sudden my help was gone. Um, you know, it could be chair- caregiving challenges. I remember one time just having having my uh, overseeing care for my father-in-law and I got in there and the more that I saw and was around discovered that my husband's stepmother had Alzheimer's and so that may even made everything more complicated and then about that time my husband's mother called and her husband had pancreatic cancer and so I was like, wow, okay, just a minute, I, I'm going to have to find my peace. So, you know, your crisis doesn't have to be life-shattering. It could be just things in everyday life. Maybe your kids have made some wrong choices, and that's cost you or, or just caused more discomfort in you. But I want, to, I want you to just jot down right now something that is on your heart or just something you're like, you know, I'm working through this, and I need your, need your help. So just jot something down and... <clears throat> um, and I hope that as we go through the lesson, you will see how to, how to apply the lesson to that particular thing. But I want to also ask you, what is your perspective in this crisis? You know, your perspective is how you view something. Your perspective is your perception of it. You know, it's how you see it. And uh, number one in your lesson is the big key that I have found in a crisis or something I'm dealing with is seeing it from God's perspective. God's perspective. That is the big key that is helpful is seeing our crisis from God's perspective. And why would that be a big key? Well, for me, it's because we have a limited viewpoint. God's ways are higher than our ways, and he sees things from a whole different viewpoint. Isaiah 55, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to that, because this is a good one. I would suggest you highlight it. But Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, says something very powerful. It says, and this is what the Lord is saying, He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, 
and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I remember uh, my mom showing me that scripture one day, and it really shifted my thinking, just how God's ways are so much higher, and as high as the heavens, that's how high in his perspective. He sees the big viewpoint. I recently had the opportunity um, to go to the Hot Air Balloon Festival in New Mexico, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience, but I loved watching those balloons rise up. And I didn't get to go up in one, but I can only imagine the view that they had of the entire area. And those balloons were all just gorgeous and different in their way. And it just what I saw as I was watching that is like the Lord saying, come up higher so you can see things the way I see them. And I think when we turn to the Lord and we ask for his perspective, it can help us and change us. You know, because the truth is, whatever situation you're going through, God is not up there wringing his hands and saying, oh my word, I can't believe that Kathleen's in this situation. I can't believe this is happening. No, 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 no. He's up there looking at it from a whole different viewpoint. So one of my prayers in my life now is whenever there's something going on, and I pray this often, at least several times a week, I can tell you that, a lot more probably, is Lord, help me to see this situation from your perspective. Help me to see this situation, whatever it is, from your perspective. I know when my late husband was diagnosed with cancer and he was taking a 10-hour treatment, um, I was walking around. I needed to go out and get some air. And I was walking around the block at MD Anderson. And I was just talking to the Lord, and I just, I really didn't have much gas at that time, you know, in my emotional bank. And I just said, Lord, I know you're good, and I need to see this situation that I'm in from your perspective. The way I see it, Joe is in a win-win situation. Either you'll heal him and we'll have this great testimony, or um, you'll take him home and he'll be in your presence, but I don't see myself in a win-win you take him and I'm left to pick up the pieces. And, you know, I love the thought of you healing him and us having this great testimony. And I was like, Lord, you've got to show me how you see this. And the Lord gave me something that really settled my heart. He said, Kathleen, I will either, either heal Joe or I'll heal your broken heart. And was it was as he said that, to me that I thought, you know what? I like one option better than the other, but I knew somehow in my heart that I was gonna be okay. Either way, the ball rolled, I knew I was gonna be okay. And so it really did help me just to know God's perspective in a sense. And I can't tell you why I've encountered some of the adversity that I have, but I can tell you that I know God loves me and I know he's faithful, and I know he's been with me. And down the road, you know, that that whole situation was happening, um, what, 12 years ago. But I can tell you down the road, I have seen the Lord use a lot of the adversity that I've been through to change me, but also I've seen him redeem things in different ways. You know, when my mom got so sick, and I've shared a little bit about that, I really struggled with the why question. You know, why my mom? Why now? Why me? Why, 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 God? And I had a, a good friend that just said, Kathleen, you know, the big question is, can you trust God if you never get the answer to that why? He said, God might answer. He was a, re- he was a retired pastor. He said, God might answer and show you why but he may never answer, and can you be okay with that? And I, I, we were on the phone, and I said, I don't know, I'm going to have to get back with you on that, (laughs) because I wasn't really sure at that point what my answer was, but I did finally come to the place of, and what I discovered was the why question isn't as important as, and this is number two, in crisis, don't focus on the why, but the what. 
What do you want to work in me, God? And what do you want to work out of me? And when I shifted my thinking with my mom, okay, Lord, I may never get the answer to why. And I can't tell you why other than the only thing I can think of now is the what I walked through, the crisis I walked through with my mom really did prepare me a lot for what I ended up walking through with my late husband. And so for me, as I discovered, okay, Lord, what do you want to work in me and out of me? Because I hate to waste time. I didn't want to waste that time. I couldn't change or fix it. I couldn't. I tried my best. I went to every doctor's appointment, oversaw my mom's care, gave her the very best I could. But I couldn't, at the end of the day, fix fix the big the big picture in the problem. But I can tell you God changed me, and there was a depth of relationship I discovered in walking with the Lord in that situation. You know, and this is number three um, in your lesson. What we perceive as a crisis, God sees as an opportunity. What we perceive as a crisis, God sees as an opportunity. So my question and challenge to you is in your crisis or whatever it is, is your current struggle right now or adversity is what is the opportunity? And you know, when I shift my thinking to, all right, Lord, what is the opportunity here? What are some opportunities? And, you know, it's amazing how when I look at that, it kind of makes my heart lighter. It makes, for me, it makes my heart lighter. It says in Romans 8, 28, and if you want to turn to that, it's a common passage you've probably heard before, but it says, for we know in all that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And so when we love the Lord and we've given our heart to him and we partner with him, then we can be assured that somehow there's going to be some redemption in it for us. There's going to be some redemption. And that's something else I pray is, Lord, I want redemption in this. And um, that's a that's a whole different, different lesson. But Graham Cook, uh, he's a guy that I've said under some of his teachings for years, learned an awful lot that anchored me. But he said something one time that was really powerful, and I had to stop and really process it for a couple of weeks. But he says, God allows, and this is number four, God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent in his power. And I know for me, in different struggles, adversity, crisis that I've had, when I step back and say, okay, Lord, you are powerful enough that you could have prevented, changed. This could be different because your word shows us over and over the miracles that you worked. But somehow you've allowed this. So I have to trust your wisdom and help me to see things in, from your wisdom. You know, I think the big key in our crisis or whatever it is where adversity or whatever you want to call it is a discipline of the mind. And I know for me, that's the big challenge is disciplining my mind to not look at things from an earthly point of view. Like we just, we talked about in Isaiah 55 coming up higher. And the reason it's a, I think a struggle and a discipline, just like anything else in life, that's a discipline exercise or, or controlling our tongue or whatever. I think the reason it's a big challenge is because there's that struggle of are we going to be anxious and restless? Or are we going to be resting in God's love? Okay, God, I know you love me. God, I know you're for me and I know you're with me. And it's that discipline and that, to me, some of that struggle for me that I have to work in because, you know, when I step back and I go back to just a basic fundamental principle, okay, Lord, you love me. I know how much I love my kids. You love me. And I just want you to know today that whatever it is you're dealing with, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And that's got to be the bedrock thing that you hang on to. Number five, um, you have a God-given right to overcome in 
any situation, when, when we partner with God, instead of being overcome by our circumstances, did you know you have a God-given right to overcome? I'm going to show you where it is in the Word, because these are some passages that um, I felt like God showed me when I was dealing with my husband's cancer. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. And it says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, Thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. And when I read that, I really, I got excited because it was like the Lord was showing me how he's leading. And so whatever the crisis or adversity is that you're dealing with, God will lead you through it. He may not instantly deliver you. I hope he does. But if he doesn't, he will lead you through it. And I think the big key is that we're partnering with him, that we're looking to him, that we're talking to him throughout the day or throughout the struggle and asking him to lead us and saying, okay, Lord, here I am. If I need to change something, show me. If I need to do something different, show me. Lord, if it's about trusting you more or resting in your love, okay. If it's about having to really deal with something head on, Okay, His grace is there, but He's going to lead. And just as we have a choice to follow or not, um, I used the illustration, I think, last week. My husband, Stephen, and I love to dance, but we dance a whole lot better when I follow His lead. A whole lot better. And we have a whole lot more fun when we do that. Now, I have to sometimes really concentrate on that. You know, sometimes... Sometimes there's a real flow and we have a blast, but there are other times that, you know, I have to really concentrate on following his lead, especially when he's doing something different or he's going to do something, you know, or he does something, you know, when you've danced with one person, you kind of get the rhythm, you kind of know the moves they're going to make and all, but, but, you know, sometimes he does something different. And so, you know, but it works a lot better when we follow. So that's the illustration I want to give you is God always leads us to triumph in Christ. So we, um, we have an opportunity to follow. And I firmly believe that God gives us the ability to overcome instead of being overwhelmed. Um, too many times, I think our circumstances in life can keep us in a state of anxiety, whining, self-pity. Um, I remember, I remember, I have a dear friend. I still consider her a dear friend. But she, uh, I was talking to her one day. She's about 10 years older than me, and I was really whining. My late husband and I were going through some marriage struggles, and I was really, you know, telling her about it and, you know, just venting a little bit and trying to get some advice. She was older than I was. And she just listened for a long time, and she said, Oh, Kathleen, she said, I want to pray with you. She said, I think you're really struggling with some self-pity. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I thank God we were on the phone, you know, because I kind of put my hands on my hips, you know, and I was like, she did not just say that, but in love. And I knew she loved me, so, you know, and I trusted her. And I was like, you know what, you're right. You're right. And I do want you to pray with me, and I do want to take that to the Lord. And I do want to confess that is my part in sin. And because, see, God, what God wanted to do was restore, restore Joe and I, and he did. And, you know, the last 15 years, uh, 18 years of our marriage were just, were really, really wonderful. But we went through some really tough stuff there for a while. And so I think we have, it's realizing we have a God-given right to overcome in situations. Number six, when we focus on the negative, which was what I was doing in that situation, I was focusing on the negative and everything he wasn't doing, you know, because, you know, men don't always do what they're supposed to, right? <laughs> but when we focus on that, it breeds fear, it breeds anxiety, and overwhelming feelings. And those are not from God. Those are not. The Lord shows us in the Word, and we're going to continue to go on and look at how God 
says we have overcoming power within us. First John, let's go to first John five, verse four. And it says right here in black and white, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. When we come into relationship and invite Christ into our heart, we have a God-given right to overcome. It says it right there. It says we have a God-given right to overcome. And so the scripture is telling us that that overcoming power of Jesus resides within us, and we can overcome in any situation. Now, it may not look exactly like we want it to. It may not be, and things may not work out the way we want, but I promise you that there can be growth, opportunity, change, and there will be blessings. Sometimes we don't see them until on down the road, but that's what Scripture promises us. And I think, you know, far too many times we partner with the anxiety, the whining, complaining, and we say, well, I just can't win, or, you know, this will never change, or with my luck, we'll never get anywhere. And we can get, we can, we can get in that kind of hamster wheel, you know, where we're going around and around versus seeing what God might be wanting to do in our lives. You know, the definition of overcoming, and this is number seven, the definition of overcoming is to get the better of or get the victory over. The definition of overcoming is to get the better of or get the victory over. And I think for me, what I've seen is too many times I've underestimated the power of God in me because I've magnified the problem of the situation versus magnifying God. It's, you know, it tells us in John 16, 33, it says in this passage, it says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So that shows me that it's not in the heart of God for us to be intimidated, wringing our hands, at situations we face, that's not, that's not what it's saying. It's the Lord saying, I've overcome the world. I am that power to overcome. That, that is what's in my heart. That is what's in my heart for you. But it does tell us we're going to have pressure. But the beauty is God's showing us how to handle this pressure. Tribulation, and this is number eight, tribulation is translated in this passage as pressure. That's what the word tribulation means. It's pressure. How many of you have had some pressure recently? Anybody had some pressure? Yeah. Yes, the world brings plenty of pressure on us. And Jesus says we're going to have trouble, but to not stress about it because his power is in us and he will help us profit in some way in our lives. And, you know, number nine says God is too good to let us encounter problems without providing provision for us. And I have discovered that life is more about finding the provision than fixing the problem. It's about finding the provision. And I think that those provisions are found in the Lord. They're found in walking in peace, in walking in joy, in walking hand in hand with Him, in getting to know His heart. Because that, for me, is what has given me more backbone in my life and more strength. That it's those opportunities when I've said, I give up. Lord, here it is. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do next. I'm choosing to follow you, Lord. And I know you love me. I know you're faithful. I know you're with me. And I know you're here with me. And it's about finding that provision that we have in the Lord. I remember 
Um, sometimes, you know, the provision isn't, again, exactly what we would think. And that's where we have to come up higher to see. And there was something that really strengthened me, um, believe it or not. We had, uh, I had just remarried. I just married Stephen, and he was out in West Texas. And uh, my dad needed to go to the hospital. All of a sudden, dad was having some issues with his back and, uh, and a lot of pain. So and mind you, my mom had full-time care at this time. So I had full-time care for mom. I took dad to the hospital. And so I was having to be with there with dad. And we were going through testing and things. And the doctor finally came in after a couple of days of testing. And he said, Mr. Jones, um, Kathleen, he said, we do have answers for you now. And he said, Mr. Jones, you have metastatic bone cancer. And he said, I'm, I'm very sorry, but you've got about three months to live at where it is at this point. And so dad and I were, you know, trying to take a deep breath and wrap our head around that. And I left the hospital after a long day. I'd been up there about 12 or 15 hours. And I left that day and I was driving home and I was like, okay, Lord, this is in my first rodeo, but I know that you love me, you're with me, and, you know, you're faithful. And I was driving home because I was so exhausted, and I decided I wasn't going to go see mom and wasn't going to go check on the caregiver. But somehow, because of my mind was distracted and I was thinking about dad and I was thinking about three months and I was thinking about this stuff, my, my parents lived on the way to my house. I just had to turn like a street or two over. And my car just, the next thing I knew, I was sitting there right in front of mom and dad's house. And so I thought, well, I'm already here, so I'm going to go in. So I went in, and my mom was usually asleep by that time, but I wanted to check on the caregiver. My mom was up, and she was sitting at the table, and we had a good conversation. And about that time, my oldest son, who was the only one of my kids that hadn't gotten to see his grandparents recently because he's in the military, he said, hey, mom, how are you? What's going on? And uh, I put him on speakerphone, and my mom got to talk to him. And she was kind of, you know, her disease was in her brain, so you never quite knew when you were, what you were going to find when you found, you know, when you were talking to her. But she was kind of on that night, and I gave her a sweet kiss, and I walked out the door, and I went home, and I crawled in my bed exhausted. And I woke up to the phone ringing about 7 the next morning, and the caregiver said, you need to rush over here. You need to get here as fast as you can. And as I was driving over there, I just knew, I just knew something was really wrong. And when I got there, my mom was gone. And, you know, I had to call hospice. I had to start dealing with that. And then worse than that, in some ways, I had to go up to the hospital and tell my daddy that had just received this devastating news for himself that his wife of 56 years was gone. And I just, my thought was, Lord, how on earth am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And I just remarried, but he, what, Stephen wasn't anywhere around to help, you know. It was me and the Lord. It was a time of me and the Lord. And the provision I saw in that situation was an incredible piece of how God was with me. You can't make that kind of stuff up. You can't make up that story. I thought when Stephen called, finally called, because he wasn't in cell service, and finally called and said, hey, how are things going? I can't make this story up. I can't make this story up. But I can tell you there was an incredible provision of God to handle all of that stuff. All of that stuff. And I learned to walk with God in just a powerful way. So my encouragement to you, whatever it is that you may be going through, it doesn't have to be that traumatic, but don't waste it. Partner with God. Look for Him. Look to Him for the provision. You know, Psalms 118, verses 6 and 7, um, that was a passage that I, I really love. It says, The Lord is with me. 
I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph over my enemies. There's that word triumph again. We saw in the New Testament about how he leads us to triumph. Right here it says that I look to triumph over my enemies. We have overcoming power. It resides within us. In Psalm 73, 23, you've heard me say it before because it's like my favorite scripture, I think, because it's like it's been the bedrock. And it says, nevertheless, I will be with you. I hold you by the right hand. God is always there for us. 1 John 4, verses 4. In 1 John 4, verses 4, 1 John is towards the back of your Bible. In the New Testament, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. Too many times in my life I've let Satan intimidate me, circumstances intimidate me, People intimidate me, and the list can go on, versus looking at the overcoming power I have when I take a hold of the Lord's hand in any situation I face. Any situation. Number 10, nothing is greater than the power of God in us to overcome in any situation. Nothing is greater. You and I don't have to settle for defeat. The power to overcome is more powerful than any force that comes against us. The big thing is the discipline of our mind and us shifting gears when that adversity, crisis, whatever it is, is staring us straight in the, in the face. So... As I was preparing this lesson, I'm kind of a little, um, give me, you know, give me some, a number one, number two, number three, you know, uh, in, in how to do things. And so I developed just a, a few things of in times of crisis, just as a quick reference for you. And you don't have to write these down. These are in your study notes and your, your stuff to take home, your study questions to take home this week. But number one is ask God for his thoughts. And that is what we've looked at in Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And I love a passage in 2 Kings 6, verse 6 and 7, 16 and 17. And so let me give you just... Just a little history on this passage. Elijah was a prophet, and all of a sudden there were enemies that surrounded Elijah. And he had a servant with him. And the servant, you can go read the passage and, and read the chapter. It's a, it's a good one. But the man, the, the servant was out scouting, you know, and, and helping Elijah. And the servant says, when the servant, it says in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, the city that he and Elijah were in. And he went back and he said, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, or asked Elijah, what are we going to do? And the prophet immediately answered and he said, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those that are with us. See, Elijah knew the power of God. Elijah knew that the army that was with him, the heavenly hosts that were with him, were greater than the army that was coming against him. And so then Elijah, I love what he did. He said, Elijah prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Do you see how God opened his eyes 
And all of a sudden, this man that was wringing his hands and panicking because he was with Elijah. Yeah, okay, he had some reason for concern there. But all of a sudden, his eyes were opened and he could see in the spirit that the power of God that was with them was going to be there for him. It's a great passage and we don't have time. We could spend a whole lesson on that. But I encourage you to to read that um, and go a little bit deeper. Number two in times of crisis is give God permission to change your thoughts. Um, You know, change my thinking, Lord, or if you're in conflict with someone, you know, change theirs. I know in times of conflict with my husband or times of conflict with, you know, when I've been in the workforce and had a boss or just in other situations, family relationships, whatever, Lord, change my heart or change theirs. Change somebody, change something. And I'm willing, if it's, if it's me, then I want to change. I want to be growing and conforming into the image of Christ. But give God permission to change your thinking. I remember <clears throat> one time, well, not one time, but uh, numerous times, but an example that came to mind, my daughter, um, I have a daughter, and we have a very close relationship um, but she, and there was a guy she'd been dating a couple of years and a nice guy and Christian family. And, you know, he was doing well in college and going to be a great provider. And um, we, uh, she, she told us that they were talking about getting married. And my husband and I were talking and neither one of us felt real peaceful about it. And uh, the young man came and asked Joe for uh, our daughter's hand in marriage. And my husband's reply was, you know, we're 90% sure you're the one, but we're just not real sure. And we're not sure that she's sure because we were seeing some things that made us kind of question. And so he said, okay, of course, it's not what he wanted to hear, but um, he turned around and bought a ring. And the next thing we knew, he had proposed. And it was very hard for my husband and I because we were like, okay. And so my prayer in that was, Lord, change my heart, change our hearts, or change her heart. You know, I mean, because this could be our son-in-law. This could be the father of our grandchildren. I didn't want any conflict in any way. And the Lord just kept reassuring me. He said, you've trained your daughter to hear my voice. You've trained your daughter to hear my voice. And I'm telling you, we had everything done for that wedding, except the invitation sent out. And she came in one evening and burst into tears and had called it off. But it was a good, and I have the most wonderful son-in-law now. And not that that other guy wouldn't have been good, but we just weren't really, we didn't feel peaceful about it. And some of you have daughters, you know, <laughs> you know the stress that can can cause that could cause. But you know, the Lord intervened. But for us, that was when, as my husband and I prayed about it, that was when I thought, this is where the rubber meets the road about how much do I trust God? How much do I trust him? Because I wasn't gonna tell my daughter what to do. She was a grown woman. She was a grown woman. And if this was God's best, if this is gonna be okay. You know, and anyway, the rest of the story is after calling it off and it was hard and all, you know, it was hard all the way around, but she met my son-in-law and they've been married now 11 years and we've got three grandkids and he's, he's fabulous. He's fabulous. And there's, you know, he was exactly, we had no, my husband got sick and, and passed away before they got married, but he did tell my daughter he said, I think Rob's the one. And so he was able to bless that, even though he wasn't able to be a part of that ceremony. So give God permission to change your heart or theirs. Sometimes it's us that needs to change. And it's, you know, us letting go versus trying to control things. Number three, focus on God and set him before you. I love Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. It says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. 
The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And I think one key in a crisis is so many times I try to get the, you know, big picture, let's figure it all out, da-da-da-da-da, versus just what's the next step I have to take? What is the next step I have to take? And asking the Lord, show me just the next step I have to take. And that was real powerful when we were dealing with my husband's illness because it was so, the mountain seemed so great, and I just needed to know the next step. What do I need to do next? How do I navigate? Lord, what do you have for us? It's walking in tandem with the Lord. Because if we look too far ahead or if we looked at the magnitude, we can be overwhelmed. But when we just look at what's the next step I have to take, it's doable. It's doable. The next step is doable. And even in little things, you know, this week I was trying to get the lesson ready. I have a deadline for the paper. I have some other things that there's some deadlines for. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can get all this done. But I was just like, okay, what's the next step? What's the most important thing? What do I have to get done today? You know, and Lord, show me that. Lead me. And God will do that in the little things. We just have to walk with him. So, um, and I know for me too, worship music is so key. A lot of times when I feel those overwhelming feelings come, um, for me, if I put on Christian radio or, you know, um, something that, you know, Pandora Christian music or whatever, and I, I listen to that while I'm doing whatever it is I need to do, it can just help, you know, just being reminded of the truth of God's word and, and those, and just the music. Sometimes that can just help settle my heart down. But just focus on the next step you need to take. Because if you think about it, for those, I've done a half marathon. I haven't done a marathon. But I had to just look at the next step I had to take in the marathon. When you're running a long race, you can't look at the whole thing. But if you look at just the next step, God's going to be right there with you. And that's where I think we can discipline ourselves to not be overwhelmed by overwhelming feelings. We can focus on God, not the problem. And we have to make him, something's going to be magnified. And you and I get to choose. Is it going to be our problem, our crisis, our adversity? Or is it going to be the power of God that we have as we walk with him? Um, I want to share with you Psalms 16, verse 8. This was a scripture that became very special to me when dealing with situations with my mom when she first got sick. And it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Isn't that powerful? When we set the Lord before us, when we set him in front of, when we make him bigger than whatever it is that we're dealing with, that's when our hearts aren't moved and we can be steady. And when we're steady, we're going to navigate better. Um, Second Chronicles, I want to share with you verse 20 and uh, chapter 20, verse 12. I love this scripture too. It says, for we have no power against the vast army that has come against us. We know not what to do, but our eyes are on you. We know not what to do, but our eyes are on you. And this was a passage that I found that was of great, great comfort in the situation um, when my husband got sick, because it was a, a cancer two in a million get, you know, I, we saw the vast army, you know, that was coming against us. And so for us, it was one step at a time. It was looking at the Lord. It was, what do we need to do next? And it helped keep us steady. Again, something's always magnified and you and I get to choose what that what that is. Number four, 
I think something, and this is very helpful, is begin to thank God. When we focus on what we can be thankful for, um, I think it can change our heart. And I heard this phrase years ago, and it was overcoming any problem, and you may want to write this down, overcoming any problem begins with a grateful heart. And when I heard that, I thought, well, I don't know that that's true. (laughs) I mean, I'm just telling you. I thought, I don't know about that. But I began to practice it in the situation I was in at that time. And I began to, okay, Lord, what can I thank you for? What can I thank you for? And it's amazing how the Lord opened my eyes to what I could be thankful for. And no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, something something little in life or something big in life. When I began to just thank the Lord and say, okay, Lord, show me what I need to be thankful for. What can I be thankful for in this? I'm not thankful that I'm in the mess. I wasn't thankful that, you know, my late husband was sick or, you know, my mom. That wasn't it. It was what could I be thankful for. And I know I was walking when I was practicing this was when I was walking around the halls of MD Anderson and you know I was like Lord my life is unraveling but what can I be thankful for and at that point Joe was still able to navigate and I thought but I was watching other people push their spouse in a wheelchair you know and I was like well Lord thank you that you know that that that's not where we're at that he can still walk that we can still have conversations And then I saw another mama pushing her child in a wheelchair. And I was like, well, Lord, thank you that this isn't one of my kids. You know, I mean, I began to look for things I could be thankful, you know, for. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought us this far. Thank you, Lord, that there's strength. And Lord, just keep my hope alive. Keep my hope alive. And so the Lord, when we have a thankful heart, And I can tell you this enough because when I practice it, I see the fruit of the good fruit of it is it brings peace for me. Being thankful brings peace in my heart and in my life. And it tells us, you know, in Philippians, um, we, we, we said, um, that, what's that scripture? We read it last week about, In Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it talks, you know, that's rejoicing. It's being grateful. It's what do you have to be grateful for in your situation? And then it goes on to say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Make your request known to God. So... I just want to to encourage you. There are other podcasts if you want to dig deeper into overcoming. Um, that's a whole lesson, a whole nother lesson. I could share a whole lot more, but hopefully this has given you just some things to chew on. Go back and look at these scriptures that I've kind of quickly gone through. But there were so many of them. And what I'm sharing has been years, you know, years of of stuff that I feel like God has shown me in how to walk with Him and in peace and in different adversity that are things that all of us, you know, face in some capacity or another. We all have problems that, you know, but the Lord is right there with us. And I think, too, you know, when we're in something, just another practical trip uh, tip is to just breathe. Sometimes when I just stop and take a deep breath and say, okay, Lord, thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you, Lord, for what I'm going to learn from this. Thank you for how you're going to change me. You know, when I begin to shift those things, but for me, sometimes I have to just stop and breathe. I mean, that's one of the keys in childbirth. They say is breathe, just breathe. And there's some real reasons for that because it helps our body relax and helps that process go. And so God, I feel like is birthing things in all of us as part of the body of Christ. He's birthing new things because we live in 
a very crazy world. And there are people that as we incorporate, as we partner with him, as we walk with him in our everyday life, I promise you, you're going to have opportunities to pray with people and to give away the things that God is teaching you. So don't waste your crisis. Don't wring your hands in it. Partner with God and look to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word that's so rich to encourage us. And Father, thank You that we can see with Your eyes. So bring us up higher. Lord, help us to to know your thoughts. Help us to see the opportunities when we're in a crisis. Help us to change and become more like you. And Father, I just pray as you work things in our hearts, Lord, as you work things out of us like anxiety and stress and self-pity, as you work those things out of our hearts, God, that, Lord, we would turn to those around you that you're going to put in our path And Lord, we can come along and encourage them and bless them and show them that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. So thank you for your overcoming power in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of the other um, podcasts are available, and you might want to jot these down because you can go to the podcast to more episodes. It's like three little dots, or it might look different depending on which app you use it, but there's one overcoming in the crisis of life. And then I have one on overcoming in life in COVID-19. It was just when COVID first broke out and I was like, what on earth is this? Overcoming in life in crisis of life, I think is how it's titled. And overcoming in life in covid And I think there's some more, so you can just scroll through. But if you want to study more about overcoming and that power of God that resides in you, you might check those out. So we will see you next week.